0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler to Of course, Sean Fitz is with us once again. You'll hear from him in just a moment. We're concentrating on the Arkansas Razorbacks with today's episode. Trey Biddy, who covers Arkansas for 24-7 Sports does a wonderful job with his breakdown coming up. He sat down for a while with Sean and I late morning on Wednesday and we sat down to record an entire episode, the kind you're accustomed to hearing here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. But sometimes you may, may notice when we're recording, Sean fits if you watch us on YouTube, kind of focused on his cell phone. That was going to be the case the whole time this afternoon because he is in deep communications. He's trying to to, to break something here uh, when it comes to Penn State's coaching staff changes. If you've been following us at lines247.com. Um, and our VIP subscriber, you know well and good what's going on in terms of the ebb and flows of this coaching search, the unpredictable nature, the different names that have popped up. Jim Knowles, who was a name that, that Sean mentioned a couple times here recently on the podcast out of Oklahoma State. He is headed to Columbus as, as part of the Ohio State staff in 2022. Um, there have been a, a lot of rumblings, of course, with Anthony Poindexter, Penn State safeties coach, maybe taking the Virginia head coaching job and being another guy who leaves this defensive staff to take over his own powerful program just in recent hours. Since we pressed pause on our initial episode recording, things have developed in a big way there. Um, Sean reported on our board at Lions 24-7 that uh, Anthony Poindexter is going to be sticking around Penn State. Uh, Doesn't seem like it's the right time. Um, Follow-up report here, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN said he received a text from Anthony Poindexter here on Wednesday afternoon, and the, the text goes, quote, timing is everything for both sides. There will be a day, but I am going to stay at Penn State. And again, that's reinforcing what our folks already heard from Sean Fitz at Lions Enforcement. Dot com. So as Sean tracks down what is next for Penn State staff, things get a little bit more clear with Poindexter staying on board. A big win for the Nittany Lions and a bit puzzling for Virginia as we're talking about a guy inducted into the Hall of Fame. His number is retired as a member of those Cavaliers. He previously spent a decade on Virginia staff as an assistant and was a two-time All America, uh, All American pick there with Virginia. So doesn't work out in Charlottesville. Happy Valley will be home for Anthony Poindexter for another season, at least it appears. With all that said, stay tuned because we're recording here 2.30 now in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Things could change in a big way by the time you hear this. And when the defensive coordinator hire is made and announced, we do plan on bringing an emergency podcast for you to get some quick reaction to whatever move is made by James Franklin. If you don't get around to listening to this episode today, you can do that down the road. Um, full interview will be available for you wherever you find your podcast and up on YouTube on our channel at Lions 24-7. So uh, a great breakdown of Arkansas, but this game isn't until New Year's Day, so we understand if, if you may not prioritize this particular episode. We hope you do, and we, we welcome any Arkansas fans who are listening to Trey uh, on this episode as well. But without further ado, here is Trey Biddy. All right. Sunday, it became evident that we had a lot to learn about the Arkansas Razorbacks. And fortunately, here in the 24-7 Sports Network, we have the best in the business at doing just that. Trey Biddy of hogsports.com with us right now on Line's 24-7 podcast. And Trey, like you, uh, we covered a team that was unbeaten coming out of September in the top 10, entering October. And here they end up meeting in Tampa. Can you kind of give us a summary on this Arkansas season thus far?
1: Well, it's been it's been a fun ride for Razorback fans. I mean, Arkansas has been. Um in a lot of trouble the last several years. I think they were probably the worst Power Five team in the country in 2018, 2019, and then in comes Sam Pittman, a guy with without any head coaching experience on this level, and you know a lot of questions. A lot of people knew him from when he was offensive line coach here before, and thought that it had a chance to to work out because of uh, you know his ability to build a culture and that kind of stuff. So um, last year was interesting. They won three games. They had a chance to win. More than three, they had it. They lost three games by a kick, you know. So uh, that three win was was kind of deceiving last year, and probably the toughest schedule maybe in the history of college football. Uh, this year, probably the toughest schedule in the country. They got off to a really hot start with wins over Texas, Texas A and M. They hit a, a bit of a, a rough patch uh, when they went on the road to Georgia, playing in front of their first big crowd in a long time. Uh, because you know of all the COVID stuff before, so it was their first big crowd in a long time. Uh, Georgia beat them pretty handily. Uh, then they they lost at home to Auburn. Uh, they lost to Ole Miss by two uh, two point conversion try at the end of the game, or else they they beat Ole Miss there. Excuse me, they lost by one. They went for two to win the game, and. They, they had played eight straight weeks of football. They had UAPB. It was eight straight weeks of football, and they were pretty beat up. Then coming off the bye week, uh, really started to get things going, uh, had some nice wins, Mississippi State, LSU, uh, 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 Missouri. It was really kind of a, a season about stopping some streaks. They'd lost several games to Texas A&M, to Missouri, um, to LSU also, and uh, those are all trophy games and and uh, they ended up winning all of those, got all the trophies back like all of Arkansas seniors, none of them had seen those trophies live. So uh, it's been a it's been a fun turnaround. This is a team that, uh, has a lot of offensive firepower. K.J. Jefferson is a guy that, you know, when a lot of people were making predictions about this team, you know, you sit, you look at him and say, okay, well, they returned a lot of offensive linemen. They got a lot of guys back on defense, a lot of super seniors. They had 13 players come back, including a couple of transfers from Missouri uh, who start on Arkansas's defensive line. But they had a lot of players come back who wanted to be a part of something. that They saw some potential there, but it all – kind of came down to whether or not K.J. Jefferson was good or not. If K.J. Jefferson is going to be a good quarterback, then Arkansas has a chance to be good. If he's not, then, you know, they probably won't be. And he has had a really, really remarkable season. In fact, he's been the most efficient quarterback in Arkansas history. Right now, if the season were to end, he'd be the most efficient. Plus, the guy who holds the record, Brandon Allen, uh, didn't put up over 500 rushing yards also. And K.J. can really run the ball. He's a big kid at 6'3", 245. He'll run past you, run around you, run over you. And they've got a a lot of good running backs. They returned five starters on the offensive line this year, and those guys have just kind of gotten better as the season has progressed. Uh, But they have a lot of different running backs. Traylon Burks is maybe the best wide receiver in the country, extremely talented, huge hands. Traylon Burks' hands are so big, they don't make receiver gloves at Nike, big enough to fit them. They're 5XL, so eventually his fingers just pop through the ends of them and he gets new receiver gloves. But he is he is really talented, 6'3", 225-pound guy who can run away from you, um, can out jump you. Uh, he's, he's, he's a junior, so he's obviously weighing his options, been projected in the first round of a lot of, uh, a lot of mock drafts. And then the defense is just a lot of steady guys, a really good linebacker core. They got some help out of the transfer portal. Barry Odom is obviously the defensive coordinator at Arkansas, got some help out of the transfer portal uh, on the defensive line with John Ridgeway and uh, two former Missouri players and Trey Williams and Markel Utzee. I mentioned that trio of linebackers. Monteric Brown is tied for second in the country in interceptions. He's the first-team All-SEC pick at cornerback. And they've got some good safeties, maybe a little bit weak there since Jalen Catalan got injured, who was a preseason All-American. Uh, but, um, you know, it's it's a it's a quality team, a, a good SEC team that has been really, really battle-tested and, and has played through some injuries, too. Shows a lot of character, I think. So it's it's been a fun team for me to to cover, especially the way things have been the last few years.
2: Trey, what what has Sam Pittman changed in terms of the culture? Arkansas really seemed like a program that lost itself under Chad Morris, and he came around, and I I, I hesitate to say ahead of schedule right now, but he seems like he's done a really, really great job down there.
1: It, it really has started with Sam Pittman. I mean, when Chad Morris came here, I felt like he lost the team in the first, the first meeting with them. You know, it was a lot of I and me and with Sam Pittman, he, he deflects praise every single time it comes his way. It's all about the players, you know, and uh, and all about his assistant coaches. And uh, it, it starts. You know, we can talk about Jimmies and Joe's and X's and O's and all that stuff is very important. You have to get the right players in. But if you don't have the culture set, especially, you know, in college football, if you don't have a culture, uh, if you don't have players that will fight for their coach or believe in their coach, you know, and I always talk about past Razorback coaches, you know, Brett Bielema, they would still fight for Brett because they liked him. Um, Houston Nutt, you know, Bobby Petrino was a guy that they actually, you know, more feared than anything, but they believed that he was going to take them uh, to wins. Uh, They didn't have that with Chad Morris. There just wasn't that buy-in. And I've always said, you know, you can talk about losing SEC games the way Arkansas did the past few years. Okay, that's acceptable. They lost SEC games, but losing to Western Kentucky, Losing to Colorado State, uh, North Texas in your own backyard, you know, and not just losing, but getting smashed by these teams, getting embarrassed by them. There's nothing with Arkansas's roster that suggests that would happen. I mean, like, and I always say this, like there's not a kid who grew up at Western Kentucky, um, you know, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, a Western Kentucky fan his whole life who would have turned down an Arkansas offer to go to Western Kentucky. It's not; It wasn't so much a talent problem as the culture. And the, the buy in, the players believing in their coach. And that's something that Sam Pittman has really, really changed. And you hear the players talk about it in post game. We fight for these coaches. Um, that's where it all starts with Sam Pittman. And then it just kind of spreads from there. Uh, you know, I, he was a guy that a lot of people were concerned with because he, of his lack of head coaching experience. And I, I was too. You know, I was thinking, well, the, you know, he doesn't have a head coaching experience. But what I did know is that from knowing Sam Pittman from his previous time at Arkansas when he was offensive line coach years ago, I knew that when you meet Sam Pittman, after about five minutes, you feel like you've known him your entire life. And uh, he's a super strong recruiter, and that's proven right now. They have on 24 7s sports, is the 13th ranked recruiting class in the country, I think 17th on the composite. Uh, they have a chance to move up. And um, he's he's all about building relationships, and that's not just with recruits, but with the current players. And that's why you saw so many players come back for their super senior year last year. And that's made a big difference for Arkansas's team. When you talk about, you know, Grant Morgan, who was a first team all SEC player, uh, Hayden Henry coming back, um, you know, several guys, I mean, I could go down, obviously there's 13 of them, you know, several offensive linemen coming back. So uh, that's been a big part for Arkansas is having those super seniors come back to kind of help bridge the gap while some of these younger guys uh, get developed. But, you know, again, we can talk about the players, but it's so much about the culture and just just getting things right. Arkansas was not this colossal rebuild. Rebuild from a talent standpoint, it was it was all about the culture and and just needing somebody to get behind, and that's what Sam Pittman has been.
0: What was the reaction to the announcement that Arkansas was headed to the Outback Bowl and in this matchup in particular, playing an opponent they have never faced in Penn State? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Arkansas fans are excited about it. Uh, You know, first of all, getting going to Florida. The last, you know, couple bowl games, I guess they've been to uh, uh, the Belt Bowl in Carolina. That was actually the last one after the 2016 season. They were supposed to go, I believe, to the Texas Bowl last year, but TCU. had some COVID issues and they weren't able to play the game, but uh, going to Florida where it's hopefully going to be warm uh, in Tampa, the Outback Bowl. I don't believe they've ever been to the Outback Bowl, at least since I've been covering. Them. They haven't. I don't even know how old the Outback Bowl is, but uh, it, it seems like a really fun bowl destination. Now, getting to Tampa has been a bit of a challenge for Razorback fans
0: because there's <laughs> we hear just you. not any
1: flights. I mean, good lord, it's like. If you want to take a 14 hour flight home, um, you know, so but uh, that's been a little bit of a challenge. But I think Razorback fans are really excited and to play Penn State. I mean, Penn State is a a name brand. It's a it's a it's a team that a lot of people will be watching. It's a unique matchup we haven't seen before um, in a bowl game that we haven't seen before.
2: What about those players? Cause they, they have not been to a bowl. Um, mm-hmm. you, you see all this uh, across college football opt-outs and things like this. I mean, what's the, uh, what's the outlook for these players getting to play into it? And because it's gotta be, you know, it, it's a novel. I mean, I don't want to say it's a novelty, but it's a, it's a special situation for them. Yeah,
1: well it is. And, you know, we haven't had an opportunity to talk to any of the players yet. I think Friday might be the first time that we'll, we'll talk to them since the bowl was announced, but uh, I know what they, you know, I know these guys, uh, you know, we, Covered them in recruiting. A lot of these guys are from Arkansas, obviously, you know, and um, they haven't played in – a lot of them haven't played to a, uh, in a bowl game. It was a big – it was a big point of emphasis at the end of the season. Arkansas had – I think it was four Bs. They wanted to get to a bowl game. They wanted to um, beat Bama. They fell seven, seven, um, seven points sh- short of beating Alabama on the road. Um, the battle of the boot is the LSU game. The battle for the golden boot, win that one. and uh, then. Um, uh, beat missouri i believe i guess was the last one and uh, so the bowl game was you know the the kind of the start of that the start of the the theme to end the season and uh, to get a great bowl game like like this one i mean it's not a bcs it's not even the citrus but it is it's a named bowl game it's a new year's day game it's in florida and uh, i think it's a pretty big
0: deal to these players I know right now there's a lot of conversation happening among Penn State's defensive coaching staff. At least there will be in the coming weeks about a deal with Burks at the wide receiver position, everything he does for them. Here at Penn State, though, they've got a pretty impressive wide receiver of their own with Jahan Dotson. We could see both these guys in the first round in the next NFL draft. You mentioned Monteric Brown being a first-team All-SEC pick. I think he was the first or second team. You can correct me on that one. But mm-hmm. is he a guy who is going to follow Jahan Dotson, or is that not really how they utilize him?
1: Yeah, uh, he was first team All SEC. By the way, I think yeah. I said uh, BCS. By the way, I don't think we've been using BCS <laughs> for a while. New Year's Six, but uh, no, they don't really do that. I mean, in this day and age of college football, it seems like teams are just like you're the right corner, you're the left corner, versus you're the boundary corner, you're the field corner, you're gonna sh- you know follow this guy around. Um, and I haven't watched. I've actually watched probably more Big Ten football this year than I have in any single season before. I don't know if it's the big noon kickoff or something. Like... They- put it in 4k on YouTube TV. So I've, been, <laughs> I've watched a lot of the big 10 games this year, but I have not caught Penn state and uh, I wanted to watch the Auburn game and uh, I had recorded it and somebody ruined the score for me. So I didn't end up going back and watching that because it was, it interfered with with Arkansas's game. So I have not watched Penn state play this year. Uh, I'm not sure. And I remember James Franklin from when he was at Vanderbilt, obviously did a great job at Vanderbilt and obviously parlayed that into the Penn state job, but uh, I have not watched them play a whole lot. I plan to dive into them uh, sometime this week and, you know, Know, start watching some of the games and stuff, but uh, I'm not sure how fast they go. But for Arkansas, uh, they haven't really flipped cornerbacks or you know
2: assigned a guy to a certain receiver. This running game is unique, uh, number two in the SEC, I believe, uh, in rushing. But you look down, you go down the list. You got Traylon Smith with uh, 592, Jefferson, mm-hmm. the quarterback, with 554. Two guys hovering right around 500 yards as well. So no overwhelming thousand-yard rusher or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Number one, how is Arkansas so effective running the football and and how do you how, how do they spread this out amongst or I guess share the wealth amongst the guys? It's been an interesting
1: dynamic. Obviously, K.J. Jefferson's chipped in 500 plus rushing yards. And sometimes it feels like he kind of gets it going, you know, when he he breaks off a run and then things start kind of churning for Arkansas. Uh, eventually, throughout the season, through the, about the midway point of the season. The guy who started emerging was Dominic Johnson, who is a big back, six one, two hundred thirty five 235 pounds, a guy that uh, wasn't really highly regarded. Actually, he was committed to Missouri and found out through their recruiting process that their plan was to recruit him as a running back, but switch him to linebacker the moment he got to campus. And it wasn't that he had a problem playing linebacker. It's just he felt. It was dishonest uh, to not be up front with him to tell him that. So he ended up flipping to Arkansas. And then after Arkansas, after a year at Arkansas, they moved him to tight end for a little bit because they were thin at that position. Uh, And then I believe something happened at running back and they had to move him back to running back. And I don't know if that just flipped a switch with him, but he was like suddenly averaging 8.9 yards a carry uh, you know, and, and doing it against some really good teams. And at 6'1", was leading him in rushing touchdowns, leading him in per carry average, had the longest run from scrimmage among the running packs. And eventually he got into a mold where, uh, you know, he became the featured back. But then soon after that, uh, he, he had a little bit of an injury. And that set him back a little bit. They've got two really good freshman backs and uh, Raheem Sanders, who goes by Rocket Sanders, who's a bigger back at, you know, probably 6'2", 225 also. Um, A.J. Green is a former uh, 5A state champion in Oklahoma, in the 100-meter dash with a personal best of 10-3-4 in the 100 meters. He's kind of started getting going a little bit here towards the end. And then Traylon Smith is the guy that entered the season as a starter, the senior. He's a little bit lighter at 5'10", 190 pounds, doesn't really – finish the, you know, finish the run like some of the other backs, like Dominic Johnson is always falling forward. I mean, at 235, he is always falling forward. He's not going down unless you hit him straight directly on. Players just bounce off of him. Um, And and when he's healthy, he's really tough to stop. Uh, But Traylon Smith is also capable of breaking off some long runs, a really hard runner for a smaller back, and he's got some quickness about him. So it's just kind of played through like, you know, with injuries and stuff. I think Rocket Sanders might have the highest ceiling out of all the running backs, but he's also dealt with some injuries too. uh, After getting off to a hot start, you can see his per carry average kind of decline. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about playing the running backs in this one, you know, having several weeks to rest those guys and who comes out uh, as the starter on, on uh, in the bowl game. I think it'll probably be Dominic Johnson and, uh, you know, if they can get him going again, uh,
2: then he's really tough to stop. On the contrary, that passing game does not spread the wealth. You got Burks with 66 catches, the second leading receiver with 21. Uh, what are they doing in the passing game, and and how heavily is that going to be weighted uh, weighted on Burks? Well, Jefferson's gotten really more and more consistent as the season has progressed.
1: He's, his completion percentage, if you look game by game, it just keeps going up and up each game, and uh, up to I think he's 66.9% completion percentage after starting, you know pretty decent bit below 50, uh, below 60%. He throws the deep ball extremely well. He's got a guy that is great at getting it and trailing Burks. And so he's been very, I would say he's probably been more accurate on the deep throw compared to his peers versus the short and intermediate stuff, although that's he's gotten better at that. Warren Thompson is another guy that can go and get it pretty good. He's a, a former Florida State player a transfer who Kendall Browse was obviously offensive coordinator at, Ken, at Florida State, uh, so has a connection there. Uh, but it's a pretty big drop off after Burks from a talent standpoint. I mean, they've got some young wide receivers like Keetron Jackson, who's, who pops up every once in a while, who's a really well-regarded prospect also, who's a freshman. Uh, Tyson Morris is a pretty, Probably the most steady player for them, uh, but he's not like a breakaway threat or anything. Really, it's Bur- in terms of like making huge plays. It's Burks, and then probably pretty distant after that. It's been Warren
0: Thompson. Who are the game records on defense? You said steady. What was a key word for this defensive unit? But if a guy's going to come up and make a play that that turns the momentum of a matchup, who are we? Who are we watching on this Razorback team?
1: Arkansas has three senior linebackers. Two of them are super seniors. Um, the one you may know the name just because it's so easy to remember is Bumper Pool, who well, uh, is the first. Who well, he's second team All SEC um, in the in the coaches. But Bumper has 120 tackles. He's among the top ten tacklers in the country right now. Uh, Grant Morgan was a first-team All-SEC linebacker last year. Grant Morgan has a really interesting story. He he just won the Burlsworth Award as the the nation's best uh, former walk-on uh, or player who started their career as a walk-on, uh, but he came back as a super senior. Also, Hayden Henry has been probably the biggest surprise out of anybody. He's a guy that's been you know kind of injured his whole career was uh, doubtful you know on his decision whether he would come back for another year. Just his shoulders just needed some rest, and they really rested him in the offseason, made sure that they they got his shoulders um, under control. But he is uh, he's the kind of guy that just, like, comes through like a missile, and he's in the backfield, and you're like, where did he come from? So those three linebackers have been really good for Arkansas. Uh, Trey Williams at defensive end has been their best uh, pass rusher. They generally go with a 3 look on defense against most teams. Sometimes they'll run an even front, but usually it's a 3 6 So they don't put a uh, – you know, they don't rush a whole lot of guys. But Trey Williams has been the guy when they really needed to sack. He's been the guy that gets it. Uh, John Ridgway goes 6'6, 320. He's a draftable player at Nose. He was a transfer from Illinois State, and uh, he has been He's a guy that demands double teams. He has been uh, really good for them. Not a whole lot of statistics, but again, 6'6, 320, uh, former high school wrestler. You see him tossing around a lot of players on the field. And it really hurt them you know earlier in the year losing Jalen Catalan as i mentioned he was a freshman all-american last year he did some things in the sec that haven't been done in you know 13 years by a freshman defensive back uh, but he you know in Monteric Brown as i mentioned has uh, five interceptions on the year which ties for second in the country but those three linebackers really are uh, are probably that's that's Arkansas's best unit there um, bumper pool grant morgan and hayden henry and they all they, you know they use they start to pool actually comes off the bench but they play all three of them pretty equally
0: Trey, I think this is our last one for you, and thank you so much for all the insight on Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, although the team was on beating, I'm sure you saw some warts coming out of September, some issues that, that could hurt them. What led to those four losses aside from quality opponents in terms mm-hmm. of Arkansas? Maybe some shortcomings that even with a strong season, even with a bounce-back year, if things go awry in those departments and Outback Bowl, it would be a problem.
1: Well, Arkansas had an interesting schedule. They played five straight weeks in five different venues. They played three straight road games, um, including Arlington, which is a, a neutral site game. But going on the road to Georgia, I mean, there's your – I mean, <laughs> it's, it's Georgia. They're, they were slaughtering everyone. Uh, But that was a big part of it. I don't think Arkansas was quite ready for that environment. Um, You know, they jumped off sides twice on the opening drive right in front of the student section. That kind of set the tone for the whole game. But that was a big part of it. And, you know, going on the road at Ole Miss, and, you know, you, you score a touchdown with no time left, uh, to go, you know, and you're down by one. You can kick the extra point to tie it, or you can go for two. And Arkansas went for two, and they didn't get it. And then they returned home against Auburn. at this point, they're playing seven straight weeks of football, and they're just banged up. And you know, I think that's a bit of an issue for Arkansas, and it has been over the years. When you talk about SEC play, when you you know throw the first twenty-two out, and you're like, hey, this is this is a good twenty-two. Uh, but in college football, especially, you know, in, in major college football, Big Ten, SEC. Um, You're really only as good as your second unit because you're going to need those players uh, to help spell your starters throughout the season. And uh, for Arkansas, you know, maybe they didn't have that level of depth. Maybe their banged up starter was still a good bit better than their backup. And, you know, that started to play a role. Uh, It really helped them getting uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, which is an FCS opponent. Uh, that was basically like a bye week for them. And then they followed that with a bye week. So they were able to hit this, you know, final stretch of four games a lot healthier. And that's why they surged so well at the end of the season. And that's why they hit a bit of a lull at the midpoint of the season.
0: I should ask, are there injuries that we need to be aware of that are kind of up in the air right now with with a bunch of weeks still left for this game? And mm-hmm. opt-outs, uh, I know it's a case-by-case thing, program to program. Mm-hmm. What are you kind of hearing on, on the potential for any surfacing at Arkansas?
1: Right, so you know it's it's interesting. We're used to seeing like decommitments all over Arkansas's commit list over the last few years. There's only been one decommitment for Arkansas. I'm not saying there's not going to be any in this class coming up. You know, it's it's a tricky game, but Sam Pittman's only had one decommitment in his two recruiting classes at Arkansas, which I think is is just phenomenal. Um, but as far as the players on the team no he hasn't really had opt-out issues now uh they're probably guys to watch obviously there's some players that are considering the next level i would be really surprised if Traylon burks opted out and you know he's a guy that's a potential first rounder but i'm not really hearing much about that and as far as injuries they're actually pretty healthy they had malik chavis who has stepped in as a starting safety with uh, with uh jalen catalan being out uh, he missed the last game with uh, concussion-like symptoms but uh, he, he'll obviously be, be good to go. Um, Dominic Johnson, who I mentioned, and Rocket Sanders have been a little beat, beat up at running back, but from what I understand, it's nothing that won't be you know healed up and ready to go by the bowl game. Uh, they did lose their, uh, their starting kickoff guy. Vito Calvaruso is almost money kicking it into the end zone or the back of the end zone. But Arkansas has a really talented freshman kicker in Cam Little, who has been maybe, maybe the best freshman season for a kicker ever at Arkansas. It's been, it's way up there with some of the elites at least. And um, you know, I think that's the reason he saw an opportunity to may, maybe go try his foot somewhere else, I guess, so to speak. So, um, but aside from that, we haven't really heard anything about opt outs. Uh, now they start practice Friday. We'll have access to the first 20 minutes or so of practice. And um, I guess maybe there's a possibility that there's not a guy or two out there. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see on Friday.
0: Trey Biddy does a fantastic job covering the Arkansas Razorbacks for 24/7 Sports with Hogsports.com. You're going to want to follow his content. Follow him on Twitter at Trey Biddy because this is the 13th opponent of the season, and we got three or four weeks to talk about them. So, uh, it's going to be a fun month breaking this matchup down, and we look forward to seeing you uh, in sunny Tampa, Florida, mm-hmm. as long as we can all actually get our flights. Uh, at Trey. Yeah,
1: yeah. we're well, looking forward to uh, touching base with you guys, and hope to have you guys on on our show. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be in
0: touch. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Trey. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks to Trey for his time. We will connect with him in Tampa. A lot more to learn about this. And and still, we got to keep our fear on the pulse when it comes to these opt-outs on both sides. Nothing reported so far. Not hearing anything particular from players on either side of the football. But there's some NFL talent in this matchup. And with modern college football, you're never quite sure when an opt-out could happen, uh, so stay tuned on that kind of thing. But but clearly, a very motivated Arkansas squad coming into the matchup. We'll see if Penn State can match that motivation um, on January 1st down in Tampa, Florida. For now, we're going to step away, get back to work. Sean Fitz has been working as we've recorded the intro and outro for this episode. You heard him there talking with Trey and myself. Uh, but lay, let's just let it out there. Something's coming. Penn State's about to make a move, and I think next time you hear from us, We're going to be able to break that thing down. Anthony Poindexter staying on board. Who's coming on board? Brent Price settled in at Virginia Tech. Penn State needs a new defensive coordinator. James Franklin has been working on it. We've been working on following it. Sean in particular. Stay with us at lions27.com. 30% off an annual VIP subscription right now. And, of course, with us here on the podcast. Next episode rolls around, and we got to turn our attention to signing day pretty soon. Coming up in just one week. For producer Lance Glenn, who helped us piece this one together with a bunch of stops and starts on a Wednesday recording, we appreciate you, man. I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast.